Welcome to the Cybertraps podcast. I'm Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington. I am outside today, as you can see. If you're listening, you're missing our live show, which happens noon every Monday on Facebook. So make sure you uh, come back and check that out at facebook.com slash Cybertraps. I am the host of the podcast, Transformative Principal and author of the book, School X, How to Redesign Your School for the People Right in Front of You. I am a former principal at all levels of K-12 education. Greetings, everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author, attorney, and educational consultant based in the significantly less leafy Brooklyn, New York, (laughs) but no less human. I'm the author of 10 books, including most recently Cybertraps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyberethical Kids, and Cybertraps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, parents, and others about the risks arising out of the use and the misuse of digital devices. Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, and cyber safety. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. The Cybertraps podcast is a production of the Center for Cyber Ethics, an independent, nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyber ethics as a positive social force through research, curricular development, publishing and media, professional training, and public advocacy. We are proud to announce that Buoyancy Digital is the inaugural mission partner for the Cybertraps podcast series. A digital advertising consultancy with an ethos, Buoyancy was founded by Scott Rabinowitz, who has been in digital media since 1997 and has overseen more than $300 million in youth safety compliant ad buys across all digital platforms. For IAB, Google, and Bing accredited brand and audience safe advertising sales solutions, media buying, and organizational training for media publishers, reach out to Scott on LinkedIn at Scott R Media or visit buoyancydigital.com. Hello there, Jethro. Well, hello, Fred. It is a great day today. Can you hear the birds chirping in the background? <laughs> I thought that was the pigeons outside my window here, Jethro. <laughs> no, they make they make a different sound, Fred. And they smell but different. I'm sure they do, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> so where are you these days? So I am uh, in... Uh, at a lake in Washington at my sister's cabin, which is uh, fantastic and doing a little family reunion for my wife's fi- side of the family this week and just enjoying being here and relaxing and, but still being able to have connectivity so I can do the podcast with you, which is great. It is in fact great. And it will be interesting to see if I can return the favor <clears throat> in three weeks from the yeah. great state, great state of Maine. So hopefully yes. that'll work out as well. Yeah. So uh, interesting thing, we've been talking about what's going on with us. What have we been doing? I mentioned that I gave a presentation a few months ago at a at a church about um, about uh, how to talk to your kids about uh, cyber traps and things like that. Well, I did that presentation again a couple of weeks ago and um, just it turned out to be a really good conversation, really great content and comments from other people. And because we've had guests on the last couple of weeks, we haven't been able to talk about uh, the kinds of things that we've been we've been up to. So that's that's my first update. And I'm scheduled to meet with with a youth group um, in in a couple of weeks also. So there's certainly things going on, which is exciting. 
<laughs> well, that's good to hear. As uh, we mentioned real quickly in our kind of pre-show green room warm-up, um, one of our early guests, Wendy Oliver, Dr. Wendy Oliver, put us in touch with uh, the Digital Learning um, Association. And, you know, we've been talking about some of the activities that they do. And so tomorrow, actually, I'm doing a 20-minute presentation with them on, you know, the culture of cyber safety and cybersecurity. And um, obviously, a lot of the issues that we talk about on this podcast will be infused into that presentation. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, it's, a, I think, a great opportunity to reach a much bigger audience and, and hopefully tell them a little bit about the work we're doing. Sorry, DLA is a big um, is a big organization. They they're doing a lot of cool stuff. So I'm excited that you're that you're conversing with them and doing a presentation. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, and I I think it's a great opportunity to offer a shout out to our guests who have helped us to connect with a wide range of people. And yeah. actually, I'm kind of proud to say that we've done we've we've returned the favor for some of our guests putting people mm -hmm. in touch with each other who probably would not necessarily have come across each other during their work. Um, yeah. So it will be fun to see if, if any of our matchmaking <laughs> turns yeah. out to be, you know, something that is useful from a technological or a cyber safety perspective. Yeah. Well, two weeks ago, uh, we had BRK Calvin on the program and this Thursday, the episode that's releasing is with Philippe Humol from France and BRK is from Denmark. And what's so cool is that we were actually able to connect these two. And it, the whole time we were talking to, um, to Calvin uh, or to BRK, because his last name is a first name. So it's confusing. Sorry, BRK. <laughs> um, so every time we were talking to him, the whole time we we're talking to him, I was thinking he needs to know Philippe. And, and sure enough, we got him connected and there's going to be something, something good coming from that for sure, which is just exciting to be able to play matchmaker sometimes. It absolutely is. And and the nice thing is, is that as this progresses, you know, hopefully we'll tap into their networks. We'll find some additional guests for the podcast, figure out what other connections we can make with folks, because there's clearly a community of people out there interested in the same end goals that we have. Yeah, for sure. So we do need to have a little celebration because today is episode <laughs> 50. Can you believe it, Fred? I really 50. cannot. It's amazing to me. You know, a yeah. random, a relatively random phone call last September has now right. turned into a 50 episode podcast and merely the beginning for the work that we're going to do. So that, that in and of itself is terrific. Um, I am just, you know, kind of self pat on the back time. I'm really amazed at how quickly we've been able to go international with this in terms of right. the guests that we've brought together, you know, to talk with us, to talk with each other. So that's really fantastic. Um, it, to me, what it does, though, is it really underscores how universal these issues are, because, sure. you know, it doesn't matter what country you're in. If you're a parent, if you have kids, if you're an educator, these are all the same issues. And yeah. so, you know, whatever language we're talking in, well, and sadly for me, it's just English, but <laughs> you know, whatever, it, it's still, you know, the language of safety, the language of hopefully human decency, how we interact mm -hmm. with each other. So, um, yeah, to have made 50 episodes is, 
is just really terrific. And of course, a shout out to you as someone who's done what, 410 now, 411 of your other podcasts. So I'm just kind of, you know, dragging on your slipstream here to, (laughs) you know, to, to bring this into being. And it's really cool. Well, and this is what's so exciting to me. And We'll stop the self the self congratulatory stuff in just a second. But what's great is that it's a a great combination of your research and writing and a collection of information combined with my ability to do a podcast and make this something that uh, you know really was a a perfect match. And I'm really glad that it's working out because it's it's a lot of fun for me to do. And some days I'm kind of like, man, I if I could just do this all day long, it would be a dream. So it's, it's pretty exciting to, to be able to do this. So I'm well, pretty if pumped. I may, that is an absolutely perfect segue into the main purpose of today's mm-hmm. conversation, which is how we, in fact, we figure out how to do this full time. That's right. Yep. So we, we are excited to officially announce today that the center for cyber ethics is a thing. So Fred, you should probably tell us what that is. Well, it's, it's really, it's an amazing culmination of a long-term idea. And when these things actually come into being, it's really, really encouraging and gratifying. The relatively short Cliff Notes version of the story is that I've been working on the issue of ethics with some folks from NASDAQ. You remember we had Dr. Troy Hutchings on relatively early in the podcast. And Out of those conversations in 2015 and 2016, this idea emerged of of creating a nonprofit. I've got a couple of other friends who have set up nonprofits and they basically, you know, pay themselves to do the nonprofit work. And um, it's, it's not a bad concept. I think that the goal really, though, obviously, is to do something good with it. Um, I had some preliminary conversations with Troy and with a couple of other folks about putting this together and getting it up off the ground. But for a variety of reasons, the timing wasn't quite right. Um, It didn't really gel at that point. But fortunately, I reserved the domain name for the concept, which I, I feel very good about. And all of my notes just sat in Workflowy, which is you know my routine shout out to my favorite piece of software. The folks at Workflowy.com are absolutely fantastic, and it's a good illustration that you know if you find a good service, the information you store doesn't go away. And so it was all there. And then when you and I saw that there was some legs to this podcast, and that the work, the the ideas that we were discussing would fit naturally into the idea of the Center for Cyber Ethics, it became a logical topic of conversation for us. And we pulled it together. Yeah, well, and that's the exciting piece is that, you know, that I I have always loved technology and think that it's fantastic. And my real struggle, however, has been, I don't want to teach people how to use Google Docs all day. I want to have deeper, deeper conversations about the issues around technology. And this has been the perfect way to do that because we can't just take at face value, whatever technology exists out there. We need to really think about it. And what you said, just as an aside, like it's no big deal about Workflowy, that if you find a good service, then your your information stays intact over time. And your Workflowy 
thing is huge, expansive, and amazing. And it's incredible what is in there because you've you've put everything in there, which is really great. Now, I've been doing things differently, and I've been storing everything in text files so that I could use different uh, programs to, to access them and see what's in there. And this is a, just a really important thing to think about. And it's so simple, but most people don't think about it. They'll join a service like, I hate to badmouth people, but Evernote, which is a, a, a locked system that if their service changes, then your experience changes and it's not worth it. And this is one of those things that I that I love to talk about and love to think about more importantly. So this has... This, these are the kinds of things that we talk and think about as a part of the Center for Cyber Ethics, which is an official business in the state of Washington, and is uh, the paperwork is submitted to the IRS for it to be a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, which is really exciting also. And so we have a website that people can donate on, like donate as in <laughs> give money to a charitable organization. So we encourage you centerforcyberethics.org, click the donate button and say, thanks for your work and, and help us make this mission happen. So let's talk about that mission, Fred. What is, what are the things that we want to be able to do? And we read the mission statement at the beginning, but let's talk about it more colloquially. I think that's a great idea. Um, You know, the, the mission statement incidentally is itself five or six years old. So I'm glad that that's, (laughs) which is awesome. (laughs) Well, you know, it's an interesting thing that, that this idea now has a reality, but, you know, let's break it down a little bit because, you know, the overarching concept, right, is cyber ethics. And one of the things that I've done in some of my presentations for educators, for instance, at NASDAQ or PPI is explore the concept or, or the relationship between ethics generally and cyber ethics. And so one of the questions that we grapple with is, are there aspects of technology that raise unique ethical issues or concerns with respect to how we interact with each other, how we behave? And I think you can have a fun debate about this. My conclusion is yes, in fact, there are aspects or qualities of technology that make cyber ethics a a unique and um, standalone field of inquiry. And part of that may be the speed with which everything happens, that it impacts our ability to make decisions. The reach of our individual actions are significantly different with technology than they are on a one-to-one scale. So that's the kind of thing that we want to explore. We want to help encourage the study of cyber ethics as a field so that we can have a better understanding of how technology is affecting what we do. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great summary. I think the other part that I would add is that we want people to think before they do something with technology. So that doesn't mean that you don't do it or that you decide not to do it or you decide you definitely should do it. What matters is that you're putting some thought into it. And so before you adopt a certain piece of technology, you think, what are the ramifications? Before you do an act in a piece of technology, you think, what what could happen here? What are the what are the intended and unintended consequences of what's going on? And and so it's important to be able to process through those things and think about them in a way that you can say, all right, if I do this, then this is going to happen. 
or I think this is going to happen. You know, we can't predict the future, of course, but if, if I join a social network where I am the product, what is going to happen eventually when that company continues to need to make money? What, what's going to happen? I'm going to be the one who's paying for it with my time or attention, but probably not with my money very much because that's actually not what, you know, what I, what they need for them to be successful. Sure. And I think that related to that is the idea that the study of cyber ethics really requires an understanding or a better understanding of how these principles apply to different professions, to different business sectors, and so forth. So hopefully what we will encourage over time is a close scrutiny of how technology applies to interactions in law, to interactions in healthcare. Obviously, you know, I've been working very much on educators over the last decade or so, and, and there's that, that feels like it's really emerging pretty well. But this idea of cyber ethics is, I think, increasingly fundamental to how we interact with the world, of course, because technology is so omnipresent. And yes, yeah. maybe at some point you can say, well, the Venn diagram of ethics and cyber ethics overlaps, and, and clearly that makes sense. But we want to be aware of the ways in which there are unique aspects of this that people should consider. Yeah, and it's it seems to me, and maybe I'm I'm going out too much, but it seems like the the people who have been the most concerned about the ethical implications of technology over time have been science fiction writers. Mm, interesting. Because, I would buy that. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the ones who are saying, "Here's all the problems that can happen when we introduce technology into our lives," and and what's interesting is that that is that's all well and good, but that's fiction and what we really want is to have some real uh, evidence from a lot of the research you've done around cyber traps. We want to have some good research about what actually happens that we're planning on doing. And then, um, it, you know, in our mission statement that we read at the beginning, we're also talking about publishing a media, which this podcast is part of that, and then training people on it specifically and advocating for making better uh, decisions around it, um, not just in our in the work that we do here between us, but also in in other arenas as well. And hopefully, we'll be able to consult with um, companies about how to implement ethical uh, processes for the technology that they create. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned science fiction because a lot of my interest in this area arose in middle school and mm -hmm. high school, you know, obviously in a very inchoate fashion. I didn't really see where this all right. was going to go, <laughs> but I loved science fiction. And, you know, there's probably no better example of the kinds of issues that arise than Asimov's laws of robotics, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and people can go and look that up. It's easily found, but it's a really interesting conversation to have. And it also underscores the point, Jethro, which I'm sure you know as well as anyone, that oftentimes reality simply catches up with science fiction. And so now yeah. we've got a situation where the people who are dealing with artificial intelligence are actively debating these kinds of ethical issues. Yeah, absolutely. And we have, um, we did talk to somebody who's in AI um, 
uh, April Damien. Is that right? Yes. Is that her name? Okay. Yes. And, and so she'll be coming out on the podcast soon as well. And, and there are lots of, what I love about this is that, as you mentioned before, everything that we're talking about intersects with every other entity out there, like every profession, every, every work environment, you can't really get away from it. And, and that's what I find so fascinating about it and why it's so, so important for us, for this center to exist and for us to do the work to make this a positive social force, something that beyond, you know, lining the pockets of, of tech company owners or, you know, whatever the case may be, or enriching certain countries or whatever it is, we want, we want people to make the right decision as much as they can. And that's what we think we're doing. Right. So I think that it's important for people to understand what we hope to do in terms of this. Obviously, supporting the podcast, supporting the research that you and I have done in this area is a good chunk of that. But beyond that, as we start to look more broadly into where this would go, you know, certainly the potential of supporting research by other scholars, by other uh, educational uh, folks, by you know, uh, experts in different fields. That's all something that is absolutely within the scope of what we hope to do. Um, equally related to that is the idea of, of publishing. What can we do to help promote the presentation of materials that can be used, for instance, in K-12? Because if mm -hmm. we're going to talk about cyber ethics, a good chunk of that is feeding information to educational institutions to promote the development of digital citizens. And I, you know, obviously with your experience, that's right up your alley. Well, yeah. And that's an area where I'm, I'm sure I've said on this podcast before, and I'll continue saying it, that, that every issue that I had with student discipline as a principal was related in some way to social media. And so <laughs> I saw the need for this kind of work very early on, because as you mentioned in uh, uh, cyber traps for expecting moms and dads, um, kids are getting access to these devices earlier and earlier. Um, and we need to be prepared for how to teach them effectively. So, you know, so teaching people how to do that at, at a young age curriculum in, in schools is certainly one area, but then there's lots of other places where we can, where we can add value. And we definitely want to do that um, from teaching teachers how to be better, you know, and make better choices for themselves. But then also, you know, even with doctors and how they, they communicate what kinds of recommendations they give to parents, um, you know, pediatricians giving to parents and um, OBGYNs giving to moms as they, as they get pregnant and start thinking about these things, because you do need to think about them before you're faced with the device. And the challenge that we have right now is that everybody is getting, is growing up with the devices at the same time. Um, and so it, it makes it <laughs> very challenging. It. <laughs> yeah, That's so, a great way to put it. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think this is one of the reasons that I, uh, I'm particularly um, conscious of the issues that parents face, right? Because all of this is descending on parents and kids at the same time. And maybe in the next four or five years, we're really going to start seeing that shift, right? To young parents who have grown up with these devices or mm -hmm. with these services. And that will be interesting to watch. But I've been struck by the extent to which ethical parenting issues arise around technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, that really is at the core of Cybertraps for Expecting Moms and Dads, which is to consider the 
impact that your parenting decisions have on your children without you necessarily being aware of that happening. You know, for mm -hmm. instance, you know, co-opting their identity by posting a lot of photos online, you know, before the kids themselves are in a position to make a decision about whether or not they want that to happen. Right. Yeah. And that, that's a, I mean, you're, you're so proud of having a kid and so proud of, <laughs> of what you've created that you just want to share it with the world and you're, and that's understandable. Right. But yeah. at the same time, one, you're co-opting their identity, but two, you know, you're just, you're just putting out a lot of information that you well, right. at that point have no control over. Well, absolutely. And, and certainly Jethro, I don't know if we've ever talked about this piece of it specifically, but one of the things that absolutely floored me when I was working on that book was the story of the mother who was traveling in Europe and discovered that a photo of her daughter that she had posted on social media was being used by a drug company to encourage people to have genetic testing before the child was born because the child, I think, had Down syndrome. And, and it was like, you don't want this happening to you. And, and the oh, mother, as you can imagine, brutal, was brutal. absolutely devastated. I mean, not only because she loved her daughter and, and just couldn't imagine not living with her, but, but the idea that this would be repurposed in such a callous way. You right. know, and, and so you would say to the mother, OK, well, you didn't intend that to happen. Right. So is that her ethical lapse? No, there's clearly a supervening ethical lapse yes. that was much yes. bigger. Right. <laughs> and, and we would want to talk to that company for sure. But yeah. but I think but I think that it is fair to say to parents, you know, it is worthwhile. It is within the scope of ethical understanding to think more thoroughly about what can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so important to, to figure that out and to think about it before you make those choices to post things, because you, you, once it's out there, you're not in control of it anymore. And that poor mother who, who experienced that um, one, as any parent of a kid with down syndrome will tell you, it's like the best thing in the world to have a kid with down syndrome, because they, they teach you things that is nearly impossible to learn in other ways. And, mm. and that is the most powerful thing. So, uh, you know, people with struggles is really, it's difficult because you expect your kid to be perfect when they're born. But, but the reality is, is that, that you don't always have the right perspective to see how that's a great thing for you. And, and it comes with time and it comes with experience, but recognizing that that is it, so, I mean, the whole genetic testing to prevent a, a disease or a disability is a whole other uh, ethical <laughs> consideration that, yeah. you know, there are many ethical <laughs> issues. Wrapped that, up that. Yeah, that involves technology also. So, you know, we should be thinking about that, too. But then the other part of it is that, it, you know, sometimes you're your, your situation can teach you things that you wouldn't otherwise expect. And, and really that's part of it also is learning from what we've experienced and what other people have experienced so that we don't have to experience that same thing. And, you know, I was thinking, as you were talking about um, uh, people who are going to start having kids who have grown up with these devices, uh, we really need to be doing some longitudinal studies on what their perceptions are, how they're reacting 
mm-hmm. what they're learning through that because you know they're that's going their exposure to technology is going to affect how they're raising their kids at this point and sure and i don't think that we're quite to the point where a lot of those people are having kids just yet but we're pretty close and you know a lot of people have they i'm talking about people who you know in six years people will be 20 who were born the year the iphone was the iphone came out well right we can do them right we can do the math on this right so the iphone comes out in 2007 right so that's four you know 14 year old has never lived in a pre-iphone world right so realistically speaking as you're saying six seven years from now you're going to start seeing that demographic become parents I mean, right. you know, obviously people are having kids a little bit later and in lower numbers, but still you're going to start seeing that. And I absolutely agree with you. You you think of, well, a couple of our guests who have been um, in this general field of, you know, studying the impact of technology, Dr. Jeff Temple out of Texas, mm-hmm. Dr. Tom Harrison out of Birmingham, um, really interesting people. And I think there's going to be a lot of folks taking a look at these issues and looking for ways to support their research. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, I'm sure that you are wondering, well, how can I help make this work even better? Well, the first (laughs) thing is um, go to centerforcyberethics.org and click the donate button. That would be a huge help. The second thing is send us a message and let us know uh, how you'd like to be involved. And really, we want to collect a group of people, and you and I don't have to do all the work and get all the glory, right? That's the the beauty of this, is that we <laughs> we want people with different areas of expertise to, to lean into their areas of expertise, and we want to find ways to, to make that happen. So if you go to centerforcyberethics.org, there's a, a contact form right on that first page. You just put your information in there, send us a message, and we'll get it, and we'll reach out to you and, and start talking about how we can involve you um what right and what I, kinds of I things think one, i'm sorry one of the things i was going to say is that um you know we've already put together i think a board of terrific people to help yes. with this process oh, and you know over the next few weeks we'll be introducing them on the website letting people know the kinds of uh, expertise that they bring to the table but you know certainly we're looking for others to contribute uh mm-hmm. in that way as well and i think you were going to start listing some of the ways jethro well, yeah, I wanted to to talk about that, but I appreciate you bringing up the board because let's pause there for just a minute. The board sure. that we've put together already is just phenomenal people from such different walks of life. It's it's just incredible, and um, you know Scott Rabinowitz, who's who's been who's with Buoyancy Digital, who's been the inaugural mission partner for the podcast, has been um, a great help helping us figure out how to um, attract people to us, how to make um, how to be creative and fun in the way that we get people to come. So that's, <laughs> that's really exciting and a lot of fun and definitely something that we want to, we want to continue uh, encouraging because it's, it's really great. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think it's interesting to um, talk with Scott because he's been around online media for so long mm-hmm. and really, I, I think understands in an important way how it's been integrated 
into contemporary life and and the buttons that people push some of them may be on the borderline of ethical uh given some of the things that he's witnessed or experienced um and that's a really really valuable insight um i uh, obviously give a shout out to adam stone who's one of the leading privacy experts um also a previous podcast guest i've known him for for some time and when you're going into something like this obviously an understanding of the privacy issues is central because there's a ton of cyber ethical issues related to that. Um, and he's got very good practical experience in making sure mm-hmm. that we set up this operation in a way that respects privacy and, and deals yeah. with those cyber ethical issues. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then two other board members that we have um, are Heather Stratford, who is a leader in the uh, cybersecurity arena and the education of cyber safe practices, which is awesome. And then uh, Eric Stevens, who was on the podcast as well. And um, he is a, uh, a doctor with, with a degree in data science. Uh, he's got a PhD in data science. So looking at big data and understanding it, just a huge, go back and listen to that episode where he was, I mean, we were talking to him and he was like, I wanted to study the prison population, but I didn't want to invade their privacy by actually talking to them. I wanted to do something else. I mean, just his approach of, I want to, I want to, I want to respect people so much, even people that the rest of society does not respect because they're criminals and have been put away in jail. He still wanted to respect their privacy, respect them as human beings. And that kind of of ethos, that kind of understanding from the beginning is, is so important. And we're so grateful to have all of those board members on and we'll, we'll talk more about them in the future and, and share some uh, unique things they bring in stuff like that. But so let's talk about how people can get involved. So one of the ways actually, Jethro, I mean, (laughs) it may sound like the only way you can get involved is by actually being on the podcast. And that is not not in fact true. Although if, if there are people listening who might be interested in talking to us uh, about some of these issues, that's fantastic. But I did want to make it clear that, uh, you know, we do not have a prerequisite here. (laughs) Well, I mean, if if you're good enough to be on the board, we're going to have you on the podcast, right? So <laughs> fair fair point. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we uh, we we just love being able to talk to all these people, and it's amazing. And we've already recorded so many episodes that are coming out that uh, that are so many other people from different walks of life that you're just going to love. So how can people get involved? Well, uh, one thing is you have some skill that you can bring to this work. And you have a passion for it. If you're listening to this, then you're, you're already one of those people. And let's just start talking about, about what that can be. See, we don't want to bring people in and say, oh, you're really interested in social media. Okay, go over here and work on privacy policy. Um, we want you to work on social media related things. Uh, you're really interested in the medical aspect of it and new technologies that people can, that doctors can prescribe to patients and things like that. That's where your focus should be. And so we, we really want to put people in places of their strength, not in places of, I got to do this so I can spend time on something I love later. No, we want to find people who are already ready to start talking about these things and figure out how to, how to make the, the work work together, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it does for folks. And I think it, it underscores the point, Jethro, that 
you know, obviously an organization like this is going to be actively fundraising, right, to help support the work that we want to do and the goals that we have. But an, an effective organization also requires people who are willing to provide services and skills that they have that they'd like to see furthering this goal, this objective. So, mm-hmm. you know, part of what we're talking about today is if there are folks who want to use the skills that they have in some way to promote the center, we would love to talk to you about them. Yes, absolutely. And and so please do reach out to us. Like I said, centerforcyberethics.org. Scroll down, there's a contact page. Our emails are there. And guess what? Even my phone number that goes right to my cell phone <laughs> is posted there. So you can just call me up and, oh, wait, I'm getting a call right now. I'm not kidding. I'm going to cover up the name up there, but look at that. Getting, getting a call. Boom. That Somebody's paying attention. <laughs> well, that could be awkward. Anyway, that was kind of funny. But I mean, the well, thing it was is- very cyber ethical of you to cover up the name. So there you go. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if, if you're listening, if you've been following the podcast, reach out to us and say, how can I help? And the first thing we're going to say, Fred, is, well, do you have any money? Or do you know anybody with money who can donate? Because money is what makes the world go round. And so we, we do need to ask for money. But in addition to that, we want your skills. We want your time. And we want, we want a lot of people involved in this effort, which is a huge need for our world right now. Yeah. The goal, <coughs> excuse me, the goal no, here. Puberty. Yeah, right. I wish. <laughs> um, that's a long time ago. The goal is to, um, is definitely to plant a seed here, you know, to really see if there's some way to, you know, bring this project uh, into much more effective, much more expansive effort. And there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of different ways that this could unfold. And we're looking for suggestions. We're looking for folks to help guide this mission uh, that we're Mm -hmm. setting in motion. Um, So we look forward to hearing from folks because, you know, we're relatively open-minded about where this can go. Uh, We just simply want to make sure that we do what we can to promote cyber ethics. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, great conversation today. So excited about the work that we're doing. It's just it fires me up every week when we when we talk about it. So once again, go to centerforcyberethics.org and we'd love to to talk with you. Reach out. Thank you all so much for being here. And this is a, a happy 50th episode, man. It's fantastic. And it, just a quick shout out to anybody who is thinking that they might like to uh, have an on-air chat with us and be interviewed. We're going to be starting the interview recordings back up in August. Uh, so just let us know and we'll send you the link and get you hooked up. Yep. All righty. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Cybertraps podcast. In the coming weeks, we'll continue our coverage of emerging trends in a variety of areas, including digital misconduct, cyber safety, cybersecurity, privacy, and the challenges of high-tech parenting. Along the way, we'll talk to a growing collection of international experts who are helping us to understand the risks and the rewards of digital technology. You can find the Cybertraps podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. We hope that you'll share the show with your friends and colleagues and reach out to us if you have questions or topic suggestions. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Jethro Jones and Fred is at Cybertraps. If you're still listening, you must have enjoyed the podcast. If so, please leave us a five-star rating and review in your podcast service. We appreciate having you with us and look forward to you joining us for our interview with Philippe Pumot on Thursday. <laughs>